Welcome dear listeners to this week's afternoon satsang. This is Prem from Team Radio Sai and with me is Arvind and we are here to continue with our story. Rather it's the story as beautifully penned by our beloved Bhagwan the Ramakatara Swaini. We are towards the end of the story and some of the most beautiful messages the Ramayana has had some of the best are towards the end of the story and that's the part we are in. And I'm sure we say this every time we talk about the Ramayana that this is the interesting part and this is the most important part. And true to that, every part of the Ramayana is as important as the other. So before we continue with the story and before I invite Arvind to join all of us, as always let us begin by ruminating over the most beautiful and necklace name of Lord Sri Rama. Sri Rama Rama Rame Ki Rame Rame Manorame Sahasranama Tatriyam Ramanama Varanane Sairam, dear listeners, as always, it is a wonderful pleasure to be here speaking about the Ramkatha Rasavahini. More so, Prem, you know, this has been the season of the World Youth Conference. And it's so amazing to see the energy and enthusiasm. Uh, just today morning, you know, I got the opportunity to be at the uh, Hillview Stadium at the lotus feet of Lord Hanuman. Just a few satsangs before we had discussed about the statue of Hanuman there, the story, the glory, the power. You know, even as I went there, I was pleasantly surprised, you know, because I had been told that the youth will be there all around the ground, the indoor stadium everywhere. Some of them are doing Tai Chi, some of them are doing yoga, some of them are doing jogging. And they also said that some will also gather at Hanuman to see the sunrise. As I walked up that slope, there was the bhajans going on and it felt amazing because the chorus was so powerful, loud, energetic, enthusiastic. And just imagine my surprise, Prem, when when the scene opened out in front of me, there were about 400 to 500 youth who had gathered there. Mm-hmm. I just felt that Hanuman must have been thrilled with this kind of a morning because they were singing Rama bhajans. And we have said so many times that whenever the glory of Rama is sung, Hanuman is present there. I just felt that Hanuman must have felt thrilled. The thrill could possibly have been beaten only by the visit that Lord Rama made to the Hanuman top, you know, a few years back. I think it was 2009 or 2010 when Swami all of a sudden just drove to the top of the hill and spent some time there near Hanuman all by himself. Possibly he was blessing his foremost devotee there. But that is the kind of energy that was felt. And 
why I brought this up now is because I was just thinking at that time about our satsang that we have in the afternoon and I was thinking when we speak about those lakhs and lakhs and lakhs and lakhs of monkeys mm-hmm. who were charged with the love of Rama, with the love for Rama and with the passion to do work for Rama. You know, we have uh, we have uh, narrated that it's hard to imagine how it would have been. Seeing the energy, the passion, the enthusiasm, the love for Bhagwan that these 400 odd youth embodied, I was just wondering that will I ever be able to comprehend what energy and passion and enthusiasm levels it would be multi- if you multiply this a million fold. No? It's, we just can't comprehend and it just felt amazing. But at the same time, I must say that it thrilled the heart, it delighted the soul and I felt that possibly I am experiencing a part of that ent- enthusiasm and energy that those Vanaras might have experienced. Because as they say, when it comes to these matters, it's not the quantity that matters. It is the quality. That's why Swami says, you know, having if you taste a drop of love, it's equivalent to having tasted an ocean of love because, yes, ocean is nothing but a larger quantity, but the quality is the same. If you taste one drop of ocean water, you know how the ocean is. You need not drink the whole ocean to understand the taste of that. In a similar manner, I was energized and enthused. That actually made me go through this Ramkatarasavani once more because it feels so amazing, it feels so thrilling just to be part of the Lord's army, part of the Lord's team working as per His desire and His will. Whenever I uh, think of this part of the Ramayana, you know, of Rama going and defeating this army of uh, of Lanka, especially in you know, the way we have read it so far, I mean, uh, I am tempted to say that Swami's narration is a little one-sided. You know, all through he has shown how the uh, Vanara forces were decimated and defeated and uh, very badly. And no, the Rakshasa forces. Right, huh. Ravana's forces. I mean, uh, you know the way it has been narrated. Some is saying that you know it's 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 been a one-sided battle, and almost throughout, it's the uh, you know the forces of Lanka which have been taking a beating. Hmm. You know, to put it in context, here is Ravana. He is a very very powerful monarch, and he is believed to have defeated all the kings in all the four directions, and he is also one who has defeated the gods in battle. So, I mean, his glory was at a point where people thought that he cannot be defeated at all. And here is Lord Rama who says that I'll defeat him. And he takes a force of Vanaras, you know, considered even lesser than mortals. You know, he is a person whom the gods have decided that we can't defeat him. And, you know, forget about him being defeated by a human force, but he's being defeated by an animal force led by, you know, Lord Rama leading a force of monkeys and bears and he's going and beating but the way the narration is laid out, there is so much of methodology in that, you forget that it's a miracle, right? You, I mean, all said and done, at the end of the day, here is this invincible, cruel emperor who's been defeated by a man who's leading of, uh, an army of monkeys. But it's been, uh, you know, so much of planning is uh, narrated in the Ramayana and, you know, so and so takes on this person and this is how this uh, person is attacked. This is how the bridge is built. And this was the, you know, idea which went into it. There's so much of methodology which is given, we forget that in spite of all of that, at the end of the day, it's a miracle of the Lord. And, uh, I mean, talking about the energy of, of the Vanaras, I'm, I'm reminded, might have mentioned this before, 
when Swami uh, built the Vrindavan College, you know, Vrindavan Arts and Science College used to run out of, there used to be Kalyan Mandapam, which used to act like the hostel Classrooms. for the boys, and, oh, yeah. and one side of it was even the classrooms. Mm. Then I think afterwards the building came. And when the building came, you know, we've all studied there, we've been fortunate to be a part of the Vrindavan campus. Swami showed the building and Swami asked the VIPs and the students, you know, what does this building remind you of? And, you know, if you look at the whole building from one side, it looks like a dam, right? Mm. And Swami said, yes, it is built to look like a dam because this is going to be a place where the energies of the youth are going to be harnessed. Right? And it's typically what, you know, what... Harnessed and also channelized. Channelized. And because, you know, there's so much of energy, there's so much of energy in youth. And that is not all, as Swami would, uh, you know, beautifully say. Once when Swami was speaking to some parents and teachers, Swami said this. When you are taking care of your children, there should be love and there should be law. Hmm. You know, the play of Swami's words, love kuda unali, law kuda unali. You know, you should have, you know, you should guide them lovingly, but at the same time, there should be discipline too. And it's literally like that, you know, when you see these 69 countries, 70 countries, they've all come, but with the discipline with which they are, they are, you know, carrying out themselves. And that is where I think Swami and Swami's name and the love for Swami they have becomes the dam which channelizes that energy and and we know, you know, uh, the, one of the greatest improvements in human civilization is the construction of that dam and the hydroelectric power which has come. So it's, it, you know, it's figuratively and literally harnessing this energy which is so enormous is such, uh, you know, such a great thing that Swami has done and is doing and is going to continue to do, I'm sure. See, for me personally, it has been such a rejuvenating and thrilling event because, you know, Prem, Ask any member of the youth and he or she will say that we are coming to Prashanti because we want to recharge our batteries. But in my heart of hearts, I tell them that you have recharged my batteries. Uh, it's not as if Prashanti Niliam doesn't recharge me. But Prem, it so happens that we take so many things for granted, like like you said, that we get so involved in the nitty gritties, the nuts and bolts of life that we forget that in spite of all that this is actually a miracle and we fail to feel the wonder of the miracle for instance you know today morning this was being narrated there on the Hanuman top it was so wonderful to listen to that uh, the experience of one of the uh, student brothers Okay. Uh, so apparently this student uh, he was seeing one day Swami walking and coming and he moved close to a primary school student mm-hmm. And this was of this was in an era when there was no Kulwanthal, there was no roof, you know. Okay. Early morning darshan. And as Swami came near this boy, little boy, Swami asked him, Hey, where are your earrings? <laughs> so no, this fellow was a boy, you know, like Swami, I'm a boy. And uh, he touched his ears and uh, how can he have earrings? So he just looked back puzzled at Swami. Swami halted in front of him and began to wave his palm. <laughs> and this little boy, you know, he jumped up and held Swami's palm said, no, Swami, no. <laughs> because obviously he thought that now a pair of earrings are going to come and Swami is going to pierce my ears, you know. So this senior brother who was sitting there, he said that the thought immediately struck in him as to look at the innocent and implicit faith of this little kid. He's just convinced that 100% there in Swami's hand is the earring. That's what is going to come. That's what is going to happen. He just felt that how I wish I had faith like that in Swami's, you know, in Swami's glory, in Swami's power, in Swami's magnificence. And he said, even as these thoughts were going on, 
Swami just smiled at that little boy and continued to walk on and he said and there, you know, as Swami walked ahead, a golden glow fell on him because those were the first rays of the rising sun. And he says at that instant he just felt, oh my God, you know, if Swami waving his hand and creating those earrings is a miracle, what a grand miracle is this sunrise. You know, this was mentioned because even uh, as the session was coming to a close on Hanuman top there, the sun was rising, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was brought to all our notice that we just miss the glory of these miracles because we take those things for granted. So, in the same way, you know, we stay at Prashantinilyam and it may so happen that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just elaborate with one more incident example that I heard yesterday, you know, in during the bhajan workshop that was done so beautifully by brothers Ravi Kumar, Siddhartha and Amai. They were saying that, you know, when a singer gets his first chance to sing in front of Swami, Mm-hmm. So much of practice has gone behind. So much of, you know, perfection, perfecting has gone behind it because you want it to be a memorable one for you as well as for Swami. And if it is memorable for Swami, only will it be memorable for you. So they said that how much goes on? And then they confess that if we look at our own lives, we don't prepare for every bhajan the way we prepared for our first bhajan before Swami. For that case, even when you have to get selected into a bhajan group in your own center, the amount of preparation that goes in for that first bhajan, after that it goes away. Why? How is singing of any bhajan different from the first bhajan? It is not different. It is just that our attitude changes and it's a kind of familiarity breeding, not content, but a kind of neglect. You just neglect it. And I feel that is what happens to me when I am in Prashanti also, you know. The thrill, the joy is there, but as time passes, you take things for granted and take things that this is the normal course of life. And in such circumstances, you know, this surge, this wave, this flow of youth and their energies, their passion, their experiences, their stories, it hits so hard, Prem, it hits so hard. And really many times, I just find myself welling up in tears of gratitude to Swami, saying, Swami, you know, your love is such that First of all, you have given this. And on top of that, even when I forget, forget the grandeur, the magnificence and the benevolence of your love, you still are forgiving and you continue to shower. Swami, how much love you have for us. This, These kind of thoughts charge me up and that's why I said that when, when I see the youth and their passion, their energy, their love for Swami, it is like a recharging of my own spiritual batteries. Absolutely. I think there's... But there are two thoughts which come to me, you know, uh, I mean, as you're saying this, uh, so what is the way out, you know, uh, I mean, I was just thinking, these people, all of them have come from different places, mm. and uh, the, the very idea is, they, they've all traveled, and I, I think we've done a satsang on that, why we go on pilgrimages, Correct. you know, because somewhere uh, we need to be told that this is special. The other day, uh, someone was asking, you know, what is there in the Kalpavriksha? You know, some of the visitors to Prashantinilam. Uh, I was thinking, why did Swami make that tree so special? You know, there's so many trees around. He could and have plucked from any tree. <laughs> forget the number of trees. There's so many places around in Prashantinilam where Swami has materialized all kinds of things. Why did Swami make that the Kalpavriksha? And almost till the end, it was like that. Hmm. You know, Swami did not discourage us from taking that as the Kalpavriksha. You know, otherwise, Swami would have told you know, just forget it. Uh, you know, there's nothing so important in it. But just that, when we go there and we say that, oh, this is the kalpa What I ask for will be answered. 
you know it's it's that faith which actually makes your prayer more valid than you know praying anywhere else mm. the fact is you could even you know while having your bath in the bathroom you can pray and the prayer is as much a prayer as any other prayer can be but that feeling that you know this is the kalpavriksha when what is asked here is answered i think that faith is what really drives the thing and you know more than the happiness and the exuberance you know, living in prashantinilayam or Uh, let's say anybody who's in the cities of bangalore or hyderabad who visit once in two weeks or so they might not have the same thrill as probably these uh, youngsters who are coming once in a year or once in two three mm. years mm. but probably just that idea that you know that is where the reflection is very very important you know just stop and say that what is it that really works is it the place is it what i am in this place or is it my thoughts in this place and trying to you know uh, recreate that atmosphere wherever we go i think that's that's what going to pilgrimage is all about and that's what coming to prashantinilayam is all about you know trying to take back a little bit of this place to wherever you are and for us it is trying to let prashantinilayam enter us as much as possible because we could be here and we could just be here instead of the place being in us i think that's I, the challenge that, for us i think that's a lovely way to sum it up uh it's no use of you being in prashanti if prashanti cannot be in you absolutely i think that's a very beautiful quote which i read is a person cannot find his heart in a temple if he has not found the temple in his heart wow i think that's what it is in the end of the day being here we'll have to let prashanti nilayam percolate into our heart absolutely and i feel it is for encouraging this and uh, giving the initial impetus required for that that the avatar descends to earth that is what we see even in the ramayana because see with faith in god a a band a group an army of monkeys could actually beat ravana but apparently nobody had challenged ravana at all nobody could do anything to ravana he was invincible in order to demonstrate that faith can do this in order to show that faith can make one little monkey cross over the ocean smash ravana in his own kingdom and return back triumphantly without getting a scratch on the body i think the ramavatar descended because destruction of ravana was once and it happened but the impact the impact of all these stories carries on even to this day therefore i feel all the immediate things one may you know cursorily look at swami's life and say that swami's life was for social uplift and he built hospitals and uh uh water projects and what not for social care but that would be like saying the rama avatar was for killing of ravana okay it might be that but there is so many there are so many other things that have been done which stand the test of time because ravana is a nobody today people don't bother about it so too the kingdom of dwarka is gone you know these edifices the world edifices they may stand they may not stand but what the lord comes to teach remain forever and that is that is the reason why we see ravana in the plight that he is in currently the faith of the vanara army is such that the entire forces of ravana have got decimated he has lost all his generals and he has decided to do that one yagna which will make him impregnable which will give him great powers but that too has been shattered by these monkeys and so now ravana is at his wits end he has no idea what to do and just like a person who has no idea what to do rushes blindly based on instinct that's exactly what ravana does he simply asks for the drums to be beaten for the clarion call to be made and gets the fastest of chariot and starts once again 
to proceed to the battlefield so that he can engage with rama's forces right and this is the point where uh i think there's a lot of symbolic meaning in this part of the story where you know because uh you know we we've, we've spoken about indrajit and how he uses his magical powers to win the battle you know in his attempt to win the battle and how i think there were few other ravan uh, rakshasas also come and do that they create uh, illusions by which they scare the enemy and all of that and ravana is supposed to be the master of that you know he is the one who is like you know father of indrajit literally mm-hmm. in that sense <laughs> because he comes into the battle and he starts just that you know swami says how he starts creating demons all over the place it suddenly looks like it's raining mud you know raining sand and vanaras gets scared of it but all of this is illusion it's not happening you know i'm sure the way swami is uh, narrating this in the story nowhere swami says that it physically harms any of the vanaras hmm. it's only the fear which is uh, you know being spread uh, blood starts raining and the sand is raining from from the top and there are demons and swami says there are uh, you know rakshasis with one sword in the hand and they're dancing around in circles but swami is never speaking about any of them being harmed it's only that fear being uh, created in them and uh, the most classic example which we all, always go back to in vedanta is that of the snake right you know when you're walking in the dark and you see a rope mm-hmm. and you imagine it to be a snake but the body starts reacting we have spoken about how in a situation of stress when in a situation of uh, fear the body's reaction is real you know correct what you see is unreal but what the way the body uh, gets affected because stress does affect the body physically it does affect the body the adrenaline pumps in your heart starts beating faster and there is a little bit of uh, you know the decaying process in the body actually becomes faster when you start getting stressed out mm. so here is an unreal event which is in front of you you imagine a snake in the place of a rope but the the reaction which is happening to your body is real and it's i think that's what is exactly being uh, narrated in the scene because ravana has come and created an unreal situation but the fear is causing a real uh, problem for the vanaras and that is what is being destroyed when rama comes into the fray exactly and uh, one more interesting thing you know apart from creating all this ravana also creates multiple hanumans right multiple replicas of hanuman and each of the each hanuman is carrying a mountain with the tail you know uh, it's like it shows that you know the negative forces also camouflage as the positive forces with the intent of doing the same kind of work that the positive forces have done but uh, it takes it takes a man of wisdom or here in this case rama to be able to see through because the vanaras are now shaken because they have one hanuman but ravana seems to be possessing hundreds of hanumans of course it's not hanuman as the way we define hanuman in the sense of his love for rama his dedication to rama surrender to rama but hanuman in terms of the might physical might prowess and capability it looks like that there are hundreds and hundreds of hanumans coming but you see you know imitation is always human that is what human nature is all about just imitate imitate but it is a sad thing that we imitate the wrong things and uh, forget to imitate the right things so when uh, ravana is doing all this rama is just smiling because illusions doesn't illusions don't affect a person who knows who has knowledge who has absolute knowledge 
this uh, analogy keeps coming again and again in various discussions frame it's a beautiful way to understand how we overcome fear with knowledge mm-hmm. it's like you know if you ask somebody do they watch movies everybody watches movies they watch movies why because they enjoy watching movies you ask them do they enjoy seeing 100 people getting shot and killed they say no but you watch that in movies how can you enjoy an action movie going further how do you enjoy a horror movie what on earth do you mean of course not everybody enjoys but there are certain people who enjoy a horror movie mm-hmm. so so are they psychos are they nut cases how can they enjoy something that is horror you ask them this and their answer will be very simple one sentence they'll tell come on brother that's not real it's just you know it's just fun that's all it's just entertainment you just leave the movie theater and it's over you know then it hits you the moment you know that it's an illusion you have no fear you have nothing you may even actually while watching a movie go through the motions you know you may get emotional you may laugh you may cry but somewhere inside you know that you are also in a way acting out along with the movie because all this is not real nothing has happened there is no need to mourn the death of somebody there is no need to celebrate somebody becoming a king though though you express smiles and you shed tears because you know that this is not true i feel that is what knowledge or awareness does that is why rama is able to smile whether you are being coronated as the emperor or whether you are going into the forest into exile because you know the reality that this is nothing but an illusion and that's why whereas all the vanara forces everybody are in a state of fear and there's havoc being wrecked through in the army rama is standing there brilliant with his mighty kodanda in his arm just smiling and laughing in fact at the foolishness of ravana and in fact swami even says that ravana spreads his magic on everybody except on rama hmm. but rama is standing there and smiling at and for one moment ravana looks around and he sees multiple ramas coming from different directions <laughs> that's when he realizes that his magic is turning on himself and i think that's what it's a, it's a very very important uh, thing of you know the illusion causing the problems you know how many of us swami would say this you know you imagine problems you know uh, we have let's say we have enough money for running a month we imagine what will happen after the month because definitely that you know we have to face it when it comes but we imagine what is going to be the problem without knowing whether there's going to be a solution or not and bring that agony in the present moment you know that's typically what illusion does and that's why either you be a witness or you have the knowledge right you know probably at at the current state that we are we are not we don't have the knowledge but some is at least be a witness at least be a detached witness and see things come and go or acquire the knowledge and like you know how rama is standing there absolutely unmoved by anything because he knows that what is real and what is unreal when that knowledge is there nothing can affect you in the absence of that knowledge as you're saying like watching a movie detach mm-hmm. yourself from the happenings and then watch it and i think these are two really practical ways which with which we can deal with problems in everyday life in fact today morning speaker also you know i think he is the uh, director for uh, research research IBM. in ibm he Dr. was selling the yeah he was selling the same thing that you know everyone says that long term long term visualize the uh, future that may not actually be a great idea because though viewing in the long term your plan you know your uh, your own visions of the future gives you a kind of a telescopic look it makes you blind to a plethora of opportunities that are around you <laughs> in the short term so yeah as you rightly said these illusions 
are a root cause of all this kind of uh, problem that arises and rama stands there and he just dispels this whole illusion with just one arrow but more than more than that uh, thing prem what struck me and possibly we can discuss this after a little break because uh, this is such a beautiful statement you know rama looks at the vanaras and says oh vanaras you're done enough now you know you just relax and watch rama battle ravana now this statement you've done enough now now just sit and relax watch rama battle ravana this is such a beautiful statement it reminded me of one or two experiences in my own life so i think we will take a little break now dear listeners don't go anywhere we'll continue because as prem said in the beginning of the satsang this war this battle between rama and ravana the way swami writes this actually the way swami writes anything is filled with so many practical lessons for us and we shall try to imbibe and take for ourselves as many as possible ram sita Shri Ram Shri Ram Sita 
discussing about how rama tells all his uh, fighters all the people of his army or everyone that when he sees that they are getting bogged down by the illusion he dispatches an arrow which dispels the illusion and then he tells them don't worry now you're all tired my dear ones just take rest watch rama battle ravana now you know prem when i read the statement i recollected many moments in my life where you know i have imagined it's just imagination like how you said the the snake and the uh, rope the snake is just imagination but the fear is real and the impact it has on you is real in the same way it is the positive kind of example where it seems imaginary but the effect is very real you know there come those times when you are trying your best to do something and in spite of your best efforts nothing seems to happen nothing seems to happen 
and at such moments when i am fearful of going ahead when i have my doubts about going ahead every time what i try to do is i close my eyes and i tell swami swami this is what i have done this is what i have done it's not that swami doesn't know what i have done but it's just for my own satisfaction that i tell swami swami this is what i have done this happened this happened. now what swami and then i imagine swami gently patting me on my head and telling me bangaru you've done your best i'm happy and it's like i'm supposed to celebrate if swami is happy that's all it is because i'm doing everything to make him happy and then swami tells me i imagine him telling me that i'm happy with what you've done now just sit back relax and watch me deal with this you know prem just just imagining this much is so empowering you feel so light you feel so strengthened that even if the situation worsens the next day you feel so good about it because you you feel that a hey, situation you have no idea you know swami is taking care you you can't do anything to me man you can't do anything to me because swami is taking care this is such a reassuring statement and even before reading this in the ramkatha rasavahini you know many times i have been doing this kind of visualization to myself where when i am really very scared or whether when i am really very low when i am feeling very sad when i am feeling very frustrated i just close my eyes call on to swami and tell swami swami look at this swami this is like this is like why swami i just don't know what i pour out my heart swami just smiles and says bangaru i'm happy you've done your effort you've done your best effort right now don't worry just sit back relax watch me you know that super cool statement that is such a super cool statement and because you know when god decides to do his best you can just sit and rest they usually say you do your best god will do the rest having done your best when you are feeling frustrated when god tells you you don't worry because when god does it has to be the best and you can simply rest you know as i read this statement it reminded me of many such instances in my life where this has happened and how in his beautiful manner swami has resolved the issue as i said in spite of it appearing to get worse after this prayer because ultimately it turns out to be the best it's such a thrilling statement and that's why i i i just feel that this statement would have been such a thrill to all the vanaras also over there oh my dear ones i know you have given your heart soul blood sweat toil everything for me now just sit back watch the fun because you know this is when i have decided to enter amazing statement and amazing thing that i think we can practically use day to day in life because see even as i recollect those instances i am feeling so thrilled and happy this is really a beautiful mantra once we have done our best of course that is that is a disclaimer once we have put in all our efforts and then we feel we are at the end of the road just close our eyes and picture visualize swami it saying this it's such a beautiful strengthening experience and absolutely in fact you know when you're just talking about comparing this with the illusion of fear you know when you imagine fear and then how it affects you and imagine grace and how it affects uh, how it you know benefits you it's it's all in the imagination and you know that's where it is uh, you know the swami would often keep telling what i want from you is nothing but you be happy so the idea is look at the end of the day i have to be happy so let me use everything you know even if it is the same tool which is being used by a person who's in illusion let me use the illusion to be happy i think that's where it 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 heads to because many of the psychiatrists will tell you know the problem with their patients who are depressed is not their depression the problem is they want to be in depression you know many of them don't want to let go of the depression and that is the main problem you know they kind of start enjoying the depression and you'll have to pull them out of that state because it's very easy to cure depression you know you pop a few pills and then you have these uh, hormones which create happiness get secreted and you can be happy 
But if you don't want to be happy, you will always keep slipping back into that state of depression. So I think the starting thing is, you know, you want to be happy for Swami, start with that. And then all of these techniques will, you know, come handy. With the same techniques of imagining Swami, and you know, so there are a lot of people who, I mean, I've met a lot of people who imagine that Swami speaks to them, and then they, you know, that gets into a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. The, the illusion that you know Swami is asking me to do this, you go and tell another person Swami is asking you to do this, that is a different kind of a problem. Hey, but hey, you know, I must butt in over here because I feel this kind of thing, you know, as just the other day when we had that session with the youth, you remember that clip that we played from. Uh, from Swami's Kodai Canal visit in 1996 where Swami is speaking to and saying that it is your responsibility and my responsibility to foster the connection that we both have you have got nothing to do with others so now see Prem if I feel that my relationship with Swami is my one to one with him and it has got nothing to do with others is it not fair to think that the same holds good for others also and therefore I feel in my one-to-one relationship with Swami, if I imagine anything, do anything with Swami, that's all fine. The moment it includes a third person, I feel that's where I am treading into wrong waters. If I pictureize Swami and Swami tells me, Bangaro, I love you, I am so happy with you. And then I start picturing Swami telling the same to a third person and then I go and tell the person, you know what, Swami has told me that he is happy with you. I feel that is a fatal flaw that we have committed. Because... Uh, in trying to say that I have a direct connection with Swami, I am trying to negate the existence of such a connection of somebody else there. When I say that, when Swami says that your responsibility is to foster your connection with me, I think that holds good for everyone also and we should give everyone that much of freedom and room for them to have their own connection with Swami and therefore I feel as long as you know, uh, as a thumb rule, what I say is, as long as my imagination of Swami, my visualization of Swami, whatever I may call it, a dream, a vision, imagination, whatever I call it, as long as it's restricted between me and Swami, it's great, fine, it's phenomenal, it works. The moment it starts encroaching on others' s- such connection with Swami, I think there we have slipped and made the mistake. Yeah, I think it's it's a discussion which will take us somewhere else. But you know, the problem is this. You know, l- let's say that in uh, let's say in a pr- in a public discourse, Swami says that points at me and says he's a good boy. Okay, hmm. and I say th- I share this with somebody. You know, once in a discourse, Swami told like this, and that person comes up and says, you know what? In my dream, also Swami said this. Won't I say it's different? <laughs> Uh, I didn't get you, yeah? Let's let's say that I share this with a person that, you know, in a public discourse, uh-huh. in front of so many people, Swami said that he's a good boy. Hmm. Okay, and I share this with a person and the person says, you know what, exactly the same thing Swami told, my, told me in my dream. Even in my dream, Swami came to me and told, you're a good boy. Oh, you're a good boy. I thought uh, Prem is a good boy no, in no, his no. dream. In uh-huh. his dream. Huh. Right? And I will tell it's not the same. Huh. Because when Swami says it in front of others, <laughs> it's different. The difference is in my mind. I'm not saying that it is, there is a difference. It's because we give value to those words which Swami speaks in public, right? And in and waking life, that is real. That right. is dream. And even in a, in, you know, even when Swami acknowledges to a third person, see, I can Swami, you can come to me and keep telling I'm a good boy. But what's a big deal? You know, if you tell another person that Prem is a good boy, then you are kind of putting worth to your words, <laughs> right? You're telling a third person. I think the. The problem is we give that differenti- differentiation. And I, ca- I, I know that, you know, when Swami keeps telling you personally, you say, no, Swami, you have to tell me there. You, you have to tell me in front of others. And that's when you actually are, you know, giving really value to those words. 
and that's where the whole you know thing starts and that's why i said it's a very very big uh, long disc- discussion and that's precisely why swami even does that you know when swami tells the third person about another person saying that you know he's doing good work and you know you for a for a real it's a reality check you know that swami really is saying that it's i'm not imagining it and you know swami of course does many ways like that we will not get into that discussion but finally that's what i'm saying that you know it, it boils down to that one to one relationship and you wanting to foster that and you wanting to follow what swami says and using all the techniques you know the good bad and the unreal to head towards what swami wants you to do in, in summary you have freedom to swing your stick but your freedom ends where my nose begins as they say you know uh, in the sense that uh, when i say that i enjoy some kind of a thing with bhagwan i just feel that the same thing every individual also enjoys otherwise i am under the false illusion that i have a, a special connection to swami or i am closer to bhagwan than the others all these are the beginnings of the ultimate fall so anyway coming back to the uh, story the great war is about to begin but even before beginning the annihilation of ravana because that's what ultimately is going to happen rama speaks words of counsel not softly and sweetly because apparently ravana's ears head and skull have become uh, impermeable to soft loving words of counsel because whoever has tried that has either been banished or been threatened so firmly in a voice that can arouse fear in that voice along with a liberal sprinkling of mockery rama says you know he tells ravana that ravana listen there are three kinds of trees and he speaks of the patali tree i don't know how you pronounce it patali or patali uh this tree actually i googled it and i checked it it's a tree that produces a kind of cup shaped five petaled yellow flowers you know mm-hmm. so rama says that there are the patali tree produces a lot of flowers but none of them become fruits that is indeed the case with this tree so also he says there are people who simply speak but don't put into action any of what they speak then rama says that there is the banana tree which produces a lot of flowers which then become fruits the banana fruits the whole uh, bunch of bananas that you get so there are people who speak and follow up what they speak with their actions whatever they speak they do in their actions then rama says then there is a jackfruit tree you know interestingly prem the jackfruit fruit jackfruit flower nobody sees because whatever flower it is it is inside the whole jackfruit oh. and every little part of the you know jackfruit comes as separate parts in when you right. cut the fruit there are multiple whatever you call them you know right pulps so, pulps yeah, yeah pulps with a seed within each of that is actually a flower that has flowered inside the fruit oh, okay. so rama says that some are like the jackfruit there are no there are no flowers only fruits in the same way there are no words they directly show it in their action they are those who keep silent but their actions speak louder than words and then rama says ravana don't be like that paitali tree yours is mere words and that too <clears throat> not ordinary words you are an immoral braggart you're just boasting and boasting and boasting not being aware of the fact that you are being immoral 
सो स्टॉप बींग लाइक दिस यू नो इधर स्टार्ट शोइंग इन एक्शन और चेंज योर वर्ड्स करेक्ट योर सेल्फ सो इन अ वेरी फर्म वॉइस विथ अ लॉर्ड ऑफ मॉकरी रामा ट्राइज टू ड्राइव होम दिस मैसेज टू रावणा हु सैडली डजेंट अंडरस्टैंड इट so i wonder which fruit which tree we fall under <laughs> having spoken so much but i think that's a very very important message and i think endless number of times swami keeps saying that the unity of thought word and deed and yeah let's at least be like the banana right at least be like the banana but of course swami says the you know and the, uh, that is what it is when when we look at swami uh, i remember once one of the elders was speaking in swami's presence in uh, in trai brindavan and he made the statement he was narrating about some incident of swami's grace curing some person or saving some person and he said you know there is no way you can put a count on the number of uh, you know uh, experiences such as this where swami's grace goes out and saves somebody but there is a very very uh, few number of incidences where swami acknowledges it and swami says i have done it hmm. and it's it's infinite it's merely small you know the number of times that swami has done it and that those are the incidents we stand out you know we narrate it and say that swami acknowledged it in some form hmm. swami would have revealed in the interview room i think even this morning one of the speakers narrated an incident like that hmm. so, to know the exact one something like swami's photo materializing in in venezuela and swami acknowledging it when they come here for an interview so it's very very few and that we typically you know and in fact i i, I remember there, there would be a couple of teachers every time swami would see them hmm. swami would narrate that incident of their life which you know when swami had saved their life or something i think uh, ravi kiran sir in in the prashanthilam campus oh, he got into a horrible accident I think a horrible accident swami hmm. said swami would many times refer to that hmm. you know he had a very bad accident and i saved him and there was another teacher those were very very few incidents and it is very surprising that swami is narrating those incidents hmm. when there are thousands of such occasions i mean incidents happening all around the world so in many ways swami was i think like that the uh, jackfruit you know which did so much and unless you really researched you didn't know that it was swami who was there behind it absolutely prema how else can you explain we coming up with discovering more and more new new stories of swami had swami revealed all of them you know every time i can unearthing right walking to the ashram imagine uh, some of the teachers used to come in the early 70s they would say for miles together you travel towards puttaparthi and after driving for hours on end you will find one bulb near where general hospital stands hmm. that's how deserted this place was till the 1970s hmm. and still you know you have representation from 70 countries today and i know there would be a thousands who would have wanted to come here and who couldn't make it for multiple reasons yes and uh, one of the most important reasons being all said and done it's it's not a cheap world to travel in today you know right, exactly but from what i heard from one of the youth coordinators you know who happens to be my classmate also he was saying that he knows of certain youth from russia who have been planning and saving up from 2 years so that they can make this trip now i just felt so humbled it's amazing you know it's so amazing that they have been giving so much of priority so much of importance to all this and they have done this you know so therefore i totally agree with you that for every person who has managed to come here there are dozens if not hundreds out there who would have wished that they could come but they just not able to right and and all of this has happened as we have said more, so many times swami has never traveled except for to east africa mm. and how this kind of uh, you know a crowd 
that comes from all around the world and most of them as you said in fact even two days back we had a speaker who spoke in her language and it was translated mm. and lot of them who speak nothing but spanish and russian how do how how did some reach out to all those people if yeah not, they know they don't know telugu they don't know right, english if not for this jackfruit kind of a, you know reaching out where swami never spoke swami never mentioned it here but swami was always reaching out absolutely no doubt no doubt in that that he swami's life has been like that of the jackfruit and as we said if not the jackfruit at least let us make our life like the banana so that we speak what we have experienced nothing more nothing less i remember this was written on one of the stones that has been embedded in the floor in the in the ground in our brindavan uh, when we used to walk to the college i used to see this where it would say speak your experience you know something like that to that effect nothing more nothing less mm-hmm. don't uh, hype up your uh, experience don't don't you know tone it down also narrate it as it is so i i, I think that that is possibly swami's way of telling us to be like the banana right. and of course when these words were told to ravana then you can imagine ravana's response and in fact ravana i think would have accused rama of the same thing you know <laughs> why are you speaking you know come let's it's time for action you know nobody gives a discourse in the war and of course in the the attitude with which ravana is still facing rama is you are a nobody you know i have uh, you are so much lower than me and you are coming and advising me and literally i mean this is blinded by your own arrogance after being you know brought to your knees in in the battle still to think that you're superior i think it's that's where ravana's ignorance is speaking uh, it's speaking but you know as the battle begins suddenly you get a sense of uh, a kind of a tie or a draw that is going to take place because rama is of course countering every move of ravana ravana is not able to you know even make a scratch on rama's body or rama's char- chariot or anything but rama is able to hit ravana but the problem is a very strange one every time Ra- rama is slicing off one head of ravana another head is popping up in its place and try as he might you know as hard as he might rama is never able to exhaust the number of heads of ravana every time one head is chopped another head comes and replaces it and very soon in the battlefield hundreds of ravana heads strewn all around the battleground you know and this they are shouting out one fallen head is shouting out where is that sugriva i want to rip rip apart his chest another head is probably where is that hanuman i want to bite him there is another head that is shouting where is that traitor vibhishana who is waiting for his brother to die so that he can ascend the throne of lanka you know so it is like ravana is building up his own uh, chorus there you know <laughs> he is having hundreds of heads that have rolled off but each of them is shouting and it looks like rama is not able to um, behead him completely because every time a head is chopped another head comes in its place but of course swami writes in the ramakatha that uh, Ram, rama is very amused by this you know swami doesn't say that uh, lord rama is scared he says he is so amused Correct. that he goes on shooting again and again to almost literally like you know like a child which sees the mechanism of a new toy which you know every now and then will go back and try doing the same thing and seeing the uh, repeat response <laughs> literally as like swami says that rama is so amused that he again shoots an arrow and sees another head forming in the place and uh, interestingly you know 
in this way the battle goes on for days and days together more than a week passes 10 days 11 days and this is what is happening that rakshasas are getting decimated but ravana is simply not dying because all said and done when it finally comes to the fatal arrow it is proving fatal only for that head because there is another head that's coming and replacing and this is what is going on in the meanwhile you know swami in the ramkatha samani writes about uh, interesting dialogue that takes place between sita and trijata i think trijata is vibhishna's daughter right right i think yeah vibhishna's daughter his wife was sarama, sarama. so his daughter trijata about this very thing that's happening that ravana's heads getting chopped um, i think we will go to that discussion after this little break dear listeners don't go anywhere because yeah interesting things are going to come ahead here's this little song on the other side of which we will continue with the interesting explanation that trijata gives to sita about ravana's heads राम चरण सुखदाई भजोरे राम चरण सुखदाई भजोरे राम चरण सुखदाई भजोरे राम चरण सुखदाई भजोरे राम चरण सुखदाई राम नाम के दो अक्षर
चरण सुखदाई भजोरे राम चरण सुखदाई भजोरे राम चरण सुखदाई भजोरे राम नाम के दो अक्षर शांति समाई रे साईनाथ के चरणों में आीवन सफल बनाओ चरण सुखदाई भजोरे वेलकम एग्डियर लिसनर्स इन टू द लास्ट पार्ट ऑफ टू डेज आफ्टरनून सत्संग वी वर टॉकिंग अबाउट द हैपनिंग्स इन द बैटल फील्ड वेर रामा इज शूटिंग एरोज कंटिन्यूसली एट रावनाज हेड and as each head falls another head springs up in that space and it it almost appears like ravana is immortal and uh, there's a very very interesting uh, analogy which swami gives regarding this particular episode of new heads popping up right that's a very interesting uh, insight which swami gives absolutely swami says that uh, when rama was watching this he was feeling amused because he felt this is the nature of man this is the nature of the world when it comes to gain and greed right. man chases something the moment he gains it he instead of celebrating the gain greed comes in its place so swami writes that rama was thinking like this looking at every fallen head as the gain and every head that is coming to replace as greed so that's another powerful message that fulfilling desires is not the way to happiness because you can never fulfill your desires the moment one is fulfilled another comes and another comes and occupies its place you know you say this is done and you chop off that desire another desire comes and replaces it and then you say okay this is done and you chop that desire another comes and replaces it and you know i feel there's a symbolism metaphorical meaning over here also to show that even god cannot <laughs> fulfill all your desires because there is no end to it you know that's what is happening because even rama is apparently unable to annihilate ravana completely because or let me put it the other way ravana is unable to annihilate ravana uh, rama is unable to annihilate ravana using this method of chopping off one by one in the same way you know god can of course redeem us but even god can't redeem us by fulfilling all our desires because the moment he fulfills one desire there will be another desire that's cropping up in the and one of the most graphic example which swami gives is that about you know the uh, itching sensation that accompanies eczema mm. you know, when you have swami says desires like that so you know that itching sensation comes and you you scratch 
right and some say it's like having a desire and fulfilling the desire hmm. and every time you scratch the itching sensation will only get worse till the point when you start bleeding and some say that's what in fact uh, some gives a very beautiful uh, explanation for this and he says that see this process of desires coming up and you wanting to fulfill it will keep happening till the point when you're beyond desires and we all know that that's a very very distant dream for most of us but some says but what you can do is you know there's a three step process which some says i think when i may not be ap- accurate in my explanation some says nyatum drashtum and praveshtum mm. some says you know before you start indulging in it know all about what is happening you know understand what happens in the whole process that is nyatum yeah nyatum and drashtum is to see observe, observe observe what happens you know sometimes you don't know it till you experience it so when you're going through that experience observe what happens and then pravesh to and so next time when you are about to indulge in and pravesh to to enter to enter to hmm. you know take it on you know so typically let's say that you we go out and buy a mobile phone going by this three step process which ami is giving it's almost like observe what happens you know you have a desire to get a new phone then you buy a phone then observe for how long that thrill lasts or how how long that you're excited about having a new phone So the next time when you want to go for a new phone probably you you can't stop yourself but at least bring this experience there saying that mm. you know every time this happens so having a desire and fulfilling that desire is not you know putting an end to the desire so at least make it a part of your nyatum or you know the knowledge base that's what swami says and you know it's a beautiful way in which swami saying that rama thinks of this when this happens mm. and that adds to his laughter literally when you were speaking about that itch there i was just thinking what is the way then to combat eczema in fact apart from the medications that doctors prescribe the strongest instruction they give is stop scratching don't don't scratch you know if we try, if we go back to our metaphor of the itch being the desire and scratching being the fulfillment of the desire apparently the only way to combat this is putting a ceiling on desires that is the a uh, beautiful therapy that swami has given to us also to control the desires though it may feel like suppression i remember on one occasion when this desires thing had come up uh, the uh, discussion on desires mm-hmm. when swami said this you know i i just raised my hands and swami asked what is it i asked him swami is this not suppression of desire because if you say put a ceiling on desire is that not suppression of suppression of desire because i feel that when you suppress desire like a coiled spring it will hit back stronger next time you know swami's answer was instantaneous and so beautiful swami said no bangaru it is not suppression it is separation separate the desire tell yourself that this is not me i am not the desire this desire is some external infliction you know it's like to you know, going back to our same eczema example it's like me thinking is that not me is that not giving me relief why shouldn't i scratch that time it's not about suppressing the desire it's about separating telling yourself that this eczema is not me it's an external infection i am not giving relief to myself by scratching that i am only helping an external infection you know i feel that is the powerful message that swami gave when he said it is not suppression it is a separation you separate yourself i am not desire this is not me this is not myself and then swami said you just try it out you know these were his words he said you try it out the first time it will come and hit you somehow stand stand against it stand with all your might it hit you a second time stand against it it hit you a third time stand against it 
you will see that the fourth time it will have no might left to hit you. That's exactly what happens in the eczema also. When you get that desire control, you stop yourself from scratching and see over time the itch automatically reduces before finally going away. And probably another way of looking at it is, uh, you know, when, especially we're talking about eczema and the thing, you know, the itching sensation is a symptom. And when you yield to that symptom and you end up scratching yourself, you are, you know, responding to the symptom. And responding to the symptom is the worst way to deal with any medical problem. You have to go to the cause for the symptom. And, you know, many times when you look at it, there are people who are, uh, you know, shopaholics, as they call it. You know, it's not just about having a desire, but there is a deeper cause for that desire. And that's why many times we're talking about the youth conference, we're talking about Swami's discourses during the youth conference. That is something which Swami will always, you know, reinforce. When you go out and start doing seva, you know, it's it's almost like a cure for a desire which, I mean, we don't put it side by side. No? Here is here is me who is wanting to have a comfortable house and uh, all these gadgets and all that. And Swami is saying, go out and do seva. It looks like two distinct things, but really speaking, Swami says that this is the cure for that. Because sometimes we fill our lives with desires because we don't have a higher purpose to it. We don't have a deeper meaning to our value to our own time. Swami says, replace that with doing something which is more meaningful and purposeful. You'll find that you don't... In fact, uh, you know, we, we, sometime back we had post, posted a documentary. It's about uh, Sai youth in Maharashtra going and uh, helping out in drought-hit villages in Marathwada region, region, which is like, you know, I think now now they're having a flood situation. (laughs) That's how sad it is. But, you know, they they were all going out and then uh, there was one person who's probably not Swami's devotee in the sense of he's not come to Puttaparthi and all that. But, uh, you know, he said, no, I'm a IT professional. I just joined a few of my friends and came for the seva. He's saying, now I I have no urge to go out on a weekend and see a movie. I have no urge to go out and do a go out for partying late nights. Because the joy which I'm getting here is like unbelievable. You know, all the desire which I had to spend my time in those things mm. seem to have just withered away because I found a more purposeful, uh, you know, place to put my time in. Outlet for energy right. and time. Great, fantastic. Uh, and so that is with the growing heads. In the meanwhile, there's an interesting insight that as uh, that Swami gives us through the, a dialogue between Trijata and Sita in the Ashokavana. Trijata is describing the whole battle. It's almost like, uh, I don't know whether at the end of the day's play she's narrating it or she's narrating it live. But she's narrating it to Sita and Sita is listening and Sita is also very curious. She's wondering why on earth is Ravana not getting destroyed. At that point in time, Trijata makes a revelation that possibly makes Sita both happy as well as sad, you know, because it's a kind of mixed feeling. Trijata says that, we can understand the reason for the mixed feeling because Trijata says that Ravana is constantly thinking of you, Sita, because of which, you know, you exist in him. And as long as that happens, Ravana can't be destroyed because you can't be destroyed. <laughs> and then he says, and then she continues to say that as a counter to this, Rama is also constantly thinking of you and he's shooting the arrows. And she assures Sita and she says, you don't worry, Sita. That point when Ravana stops thinking of you, that will be the moment of his death. Because as long as you reside in his heart, he can't be destroyed. So one can understand why Sita has mixed feelings. Because on one hand, she is being thought about by a person whom she, who repulses her. And on the other hand, 
she is being thought about by a person who is dearer to her than her life itself so it was mixed feelings that sita listens to this reason behind ravana's invincibility in fact it is said that you know the battle goes on till the point where ravana you know he stops and says that it's for this one desire that i have ruined my whole kingdom you know and uh, that's the very idea which all these good uh, good natured ministers or mandodri has been trying to do over and over again after every loss that he has had after every major loss but somehow that's never come to be and that's what uh, trijata is saying that the point when he gives up that vairagya comes you know even for a moment that's when he'll be killed but the other uh, angle which swami is giving here is you know as we said rama is so amused by the the duel that he's having he's not stressed out mm-hmm. and it lasts for 18 days and swami says 14 days or 18 days yeah, 14 days 18 days i'm not oh sure. i also i'm a bit confused right and the yeah i think it is 18 days right and what swami says is that you know rama is so amused by this thing that it's almost like he's indulging himself in this battle and he is also aware that there are as many days for his uh, exile into the forest to come to an end so uh-huh. he said that i can pull this along for some more time and can, you know uh, uh, have a entertainment till my exile ends <laughs> right literally like that because of course you know from swami's narrative it, it does not require rama to take so long to defeat uh, ravana but it it's at the same time swami also gives the credit of saying that rama and ravana were battling in such a manner it was almost like uh, you can't compare them just like how you can't compare the sky with the oceans they are two different things and they're enormous yeah swami and, swami writes an ocean is an ocean a sky is a sky, sky, is a sky. if somebody asks you how is a sky you can't find a metaphor or simile to tell what is a sky in the same way you can't find a metaphor or simile to tell what is the ocean right. in that similar manner you can't find and there you know that is that is god you know <laughs> when in order to say that you can't find a simile or metaphor for something he finds a simile or metaphor you know yeah. so just like you can't say see what an ocean is like just like you say ocean is an ocean and sky is a sky so too is the battle between rama and ravana is like a battle between rama and ravana right and that's how long it takes 18 days and swami says that each yes. one is it, it is 18 days you know i think i know where i got confused into thinking it is a 14 days because swami writes that rama releases 31 simultaneous arrows mm-hmm. and all of them go and fall on ravana and one of them hits the nectar jar that is below his navel apparently he had a source of nectar under his own navel which would make him immortal once that is displaced ravana is no longer immortal and simultaneously all heads are chopped off and ravana actually falls down dead and it is on the 14th day of the bright half of the chaitra masa i think i confuse this 14 with the number of days of battle so it's on this day that ravana falls and you know prem again i couldn't help but notice a metaphor here because even as ravana dies you know what happens swami writes that a light emanates from ravana and merges into rama you know that on one hand shows the compassion and love of rama and on the other hand it gives us a very strong message prem see ravana's destiny mm-hmm. like all of our ultimate destiny is merger with the lord but as long as ravana had the desire for sita you can't get merger as long as you have a desire you can't get god you can't get oneness with god and that is why i feel you know uh, whether it comes out of frustration or whether it comes out of depression or dejection or whatever the moment 
Ravana loses his desire and there is no desire left. Because see, he had no other desire for anything else. All the world belong to him. All the money is his. All the wealth is his. Kubera is actually sub- subservient to him. Everything. They know the only desire Ravana now has is for Sita. Mm-hmm. And through this Ramayana we learn the story that that is not the way to glory because who knows, even though after getting everything still if you are desiring Sita, there is no guarantee that after getting Sita you will stop. You will desire for something else. Right. Therefore the only way is to give up the desire and the moment Ravana gives up that desire... He gets merger with the Lord. I feel that is another metaphorical message for us to show that the only way forward towards peace, joy and permanent happiness is giving up of desires and not trying to fulfill every desire. Right. And of course, in the Ramkata, you know, Swami uh, ends the story like this. But on I think other occasions, Swami has mentioned this about, uh, you know, Rama sending Lakshmana to Ravana at the moment of death. You know, just as Ravana is about to die, uh, Lord Rama looks at Lakshmana and says, go quickly, Ravana is a great scholar and you know, if there is anything that you can learn from him at this moment, you must. Hmm. And you know, Lakshmana is a bit, uh, I, mean, I, I, I don't have the reference for that, but uh, we've heard this story many times from Swami and narrated in Swami's presence too. And Swami would uh, refer to this because what Ravana says is very, very profound. Hmm. The story goes that Lakshmana goes to Ravana but he's not able to give up that enmity. You know, he's still looking at Ravana as this enemy who's abducted his uh, you brother's know, wife. Brother's wife, and he goes and says, "You know, this is what I've come for. Lord Rama has sent me." And then Ravana tells him that if you've come to be a student, you should stand near my feet. You should not come and stand next to my head. <laughs> right. Wow. And then Lakshmana stands next to his feet and humbly asks him, "You know, what would you like to leave as your last message hmm. to mankind?" And then at that time, you know, Ravana says, there are two things that are very important. That when you have a bad thought, Hmm. when you have a thought of harming somebody, of taking revenge, or doing something which is not right, try to procrastinate that thought as much as possible. Hmm. You know, till a point probably when better discrimination sets in. Try to postpone it as much as possible. And And then Ravana says that when you have a good thought of doing something good for you know, the people around you or some selfless thought, do not hesitate, put it into practice immediately. In fact, Ramana then outlines, I think, two or three, two or three uh, great desires that he had, good thoughts, phenomenal thoughts, uh, but possibly, Prem, we'll keep the suspense, we'll keep the suspense because we will start our next Ram Rasavahini Satsang in the next fortnight from this point where Ramana is on his deathbed and Lakshmana has come to him. Uh, dear listeners, we will be ending this satsang with this episode, with this discussion of how Ravana has finally fallen and so many more things are yet to happen. If you have thought that with this the Ramayana comes to a close, it is not because even if we take the book Ramkatar Savahini, there are five more chapters after Ravana falling, four more chapters in fact after Ravana's fall. So, a lot more to go, lot more lessons to learn, many more special insights to get which only Swami has possibly given because of course it's an autobiographical account. So all that dear listeners will follow the fortnight after because the coming fortnight we will be going back to the Navvida Bhakti Marga and I think we will be discussing Sneham, Sakyam or Sneham which is friendship with God. Thank you for being with us. We hope you enjoyed this. We hope you are enjoying this Ramkatha series as much as we are enjoying doing it and let me say that we are really enjoying it. In fact, uh, Prem, in any of the other talks or speeches that 
I get the opportunity to give. Uh, I see that a lot of Ramayana is percolating into it, a lot of Hanuman is percolating it, and it's but natural. And I feel so thrilled that at least in a physical and mental level it's percolating, and I just have faith and hope that it's percolating deeper into the heart at the spiritual level too. That is our prayer that we offer at the lotus feet of our Lord Rama and at the feet of Hanuman who is present wherever the Ramkatha is sung. With that, dear listeners, as always, you know, you can write to us at listener at radioside.org. We bring the satsang to a close with this. Uh, yeah, we, we're going to play a bhajan for you and the other side of it, you'll have Chandu with Love to Love. But for that, this weekend we have a lot of festivals again coming in Prashantinilyam. We have the Ashadi festival which is starting in another couple of days. I think tomorrow. Right, tomorrow onwards the Ashadi celebrations will start because today the youth festival concludes. And then, of course, shortly after that, we'll have the Guru Purnima festival. This weekend, we'll have the Guru Purnima festival. So, we will be joining you after the Guru Purnima. So, wishes to all of you. And do tune in to Radio Side and see all the live updates as it happens in the Prashantinilyam Cyclewind Hall. Yes, you can follow Radio Sai on the Facebook page. You can follow Radio Sai on Twitter. A lot of updates being posted there also. And, of course... Don't miss coming to the website every now and then because the videos, morning, evening, live programs, everything, it's amazing. Uh, it's really a wonderful gift that Swami has given us that we are able to enter, reach and see what's happening in Prashanti, though we are geographically very far away. With gratitude to Swami for having gifted us this, for having gifted us to be part of this, we will bring this satsang to a close. प्रभु रामचंद्र के दूता हनुमंता आंजनेया प्रभु रामचंद्र के दूता हनुमंता आंजनेया
चंद्र के दूता हनुमंता जने We often think spirituality is all about answering questions but truly spirituality is about asking the right questions Before knowing what is right we must want to know what is right right Still it's always good to get answers too So do you have questions questions relating to practical spirituality What if I tell you we are going to open a booth where you can just drop your questions and we could come up with answers for you yay that's what you're saying right well that's exactly what we've got here for you we at radio sai are starting a brand new show the radio sai answering booth every thursday at 11 am join me team radio sai's frame on this new show and we will take on your questions and try finding answers from swami's message All you have to do is record your question and send it to me. You can mail your questions to prem at radiosai.org. That's p r e m at radiosai.org. Let your questions be about practical day-to-day problems and not purely intellectual. Drop your worries in Radio Sai's answering booth. Offer your prayers to Swami and sit back in peace. So it's 11 a.m. on Thursday live, and the show's name is Radio Sai Answering Booth.